Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the show. Today we've got a great interview with Dale Harder. Now he's a self-proclaimed alien. Yes folks, I did say that. Now you might be thinking, he's full of shit, right? Some of you might believe him, but some of you might think, no, no, I'm not quite sure on that. So this sounds like bollocks, but listen to the interview with an open mind. We've been speaking to Dale for a long while now and he's a great guy. You've got to take him as you find him. Hopefully by the end of the interview you'll have changed your mind somewhat. Now the paranormal news. Hello and welcome to another installment of the paranormal news. Broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. Five, four... Three, two, one. Three. Right, this is from the Express. Boy 7 snaps ghostly image from plane window. Mother of Kerry says they were flying back from Houston to Washington when her seven-year-old son has recently become obsessed with taking pictures from her cell phone. Wanted to take some pictures. When she looked through the pictures... To delete a few, she noticed that in, in amongst the pictures of clouds and plain wing tips, there was a ghostly image of what looks like Casper, the friendly ghost. She is convinced that this is their son's guardian angel. Two. Daily Star. Ancient aliens are hibernating on Earth and they are waiting to attack shock claims. A new paper says that a digital civilization could have frozen itself to become more efficient. One of the paper's authors, Andres Sandberg, wrote, An advanced civilization may have explored a big chunk of the universe, done what it was doable in the existing nature, now has mostly internal culture things to do. He goes on to say, This would mean that a more advanced civilization could have colonized the Earth before we even got here. And to adapt to the Earth's climate, the advanced aliens could have learned to freeze themselves in anticipation for our arrival. He also believes this is why we've not had an extraterrestrial encounter as yet. He believes that the aliens are waiting for the Earth's climate to cool sufficiently enough before making their move. Something else we've got to worry about. One. May 31st, The Express. Roswell Deputy Sheriff, I saw four dead aliens and a hundred foot flying saucer at the UFO crash site. A former Deputy Sheriff has claimed to have seen a flying saucer and dead aliens at the alleged UFO crash site in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. It has emerged. The testimony of Charles H. Horgus of Big Springs in Howard County, Texas can be found in a new book by Dr. Irene Scott 
called UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies, Disinformation and Government Cover-Ups. In the book, Mr. Forbes tells the story of how on the night he was travelling from Texas to Roswell to pick up a prisoner when the details of the incident came over the radio. When he got there, he reports seeing four beings around five foot tall with large eyes and feet like ours. Their skin was brownish and he didn't see any blood. He saw a crane lift the bodies into the back of a truck. He believes there was about 300 to 400 military personnel there, although he didn't know which branch they were from, but he said they were not Air Force. Eventually he was spotted and told to leave. I start by asking Dale how this all began. Right. Yeah, uh, I was born uh, January 21st, 1955. Uh, at least that's what it says on paper. Uh, come to understand that that is somewhat in question in that uh, the doctor did not actually sign my so-called birth certificate until after I was born. And uh, it was either a day or two later. So, uh, you know, there's no no real definitive truth as to whether or not I was born on the 21st, but that's the day that we take it. As far as a time, there is no time. And any other records regarding myself have been absolutely sealed by our government. And uh, I have tried many, many, many times uh, through uh, courts and through different uh, avenues uh, for pursuit of records and so forth, and they simply will not release them. So I'm a silly mystery for some reason. <laughs> My uh, birth certificate looks like a, I call it a sheepskin. It's actually black with white lettering, an old mimeograph type of thing looking. And uh, that's all I have ever had. So uh, it, it, it's been kind of fun. But, uh, you know, uh, so I came into this world uh, through the usual birth process uh, and have a physical form and actually, you know, I'm, I'm human. Uh, and I had to do that uh, in order to be able to function here for a length of time. Uh, so, uh, as I uh, said, I, uh, I am a Plejarn uh, by nature, by soul, by spirit. Uh, and I actually remember where I came from and how I got here uh, during, during that birthing process. But uh, if I were to come in as a full Plejarn, uh I would not be able to stay here for a great length of time because uh, their physical uh, vibratory process is so much higher than uh, here on Earth that it would literally kill them. And so and was this the reason that you was put in a human body then to... Precisely. Yeah, so yeah. I could stay for a longer period of time. Okay. And, uh, in fact, uh, I, as a, at a very young age, I used to run around the house telling my parents, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm not going to be here very long. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. didn't know what I was trying to tell them. But, uh, it basically, I, I always knew that I was only going to be around until I was about 40 years of age. And as the, uh, as my life progressed, as the mission progressed, as things went on, uh, I, I asked for more time. And, uh, so I'm currently 62. However, my physical body has betrayed me and it is falling apart literally, uh, because of the extended time. 
So I do the best I can. Yeah, your body's just a spacesuit anyway, Dale. So you know, there you go. <laughs> yes, I, I, I love yeah. the way you told me that. Right, <laughs> just right. a spacesuit. That's all. You know, yeah. So. So so obviously, um, for those who don't know, he was a, he was adopted um, as a, as a child, a small child, and then um, that got you into um, some uh, well, like, basically influenced you got influenced. Uh, from a neighbor, I believe, and that led you down the path in, towards uh, becoming part of NASA. So, um, obviously, as a child, you was building lasers, I believe. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we'll start off with that. I, uh, I was basically left in a basket at, uh, on the step of uh, Catholic Charities, and uh, fortunately for me, I was taken in. I had a note with me. Uh, the, the note said just a couple things. It said that my name was David Larry. I had no last name. And, uh, it also said that I was allergic to regular milk and had to be given goat's milk. Uh, there was no other mention of basically of family or, or, you know, any, any heritage, anything whatsoever. So uh, they took me in and, uh, it turned out that the parents that raised me, uh, were recently married, young, 20, 20 and 21. And my mother immediately after marriage, uh, found some problems and had to have what they called it was a full hysterectomy. So that was devastating for them because they truly wanted children. And so they went to Catholic charities and, uh, they saw me and one thing led to another. I guess it was love at first sight kind of thing. And they took me in and raised me, and uh, I had a wonderful, loving family. Uh, my sister was later adopted through a similar method uh, four years later, uh, at least the one that I grew up with, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I had a very unusual childhood. Uh, I, uh, I found very quickly that I was not like other children, but, you know, I, I, I grew up thinking, well, geez, other people could do the things that I could do. I mean, I could hear thoughts. I could, I felt other people's feelings as if they were my own. If somebody next to me had a stomach ache, I got it. If they had a headache, I had it, you know, so forth and so on. And, uh, and so it was very, very strange, uh, as a consequence, uh, and my, uh, inquisitive and studious nature, other children were scared to death of me. So they wouldn't have anything to do with me. I was always alone, always in the corner while other children played. The typical cartoon, if you will. So uh, uh, I spent my time reading books, uh, not wanting to go outside at the recesses or the lunches. Uh, I stayed with my teachers. I tried to uh, learn and do as much as I could. And they kept trying to shove me outside. No, you need the re uh, recreation and, you know, so forth and so on. But uh, so... It was a long, long time coming before I actually had <clears throat> any friends or any associations. My closest friend was my dog. Uh, I had a, uh, my father got me a purebred German Shepherd female dog that was trained as a police dog. And I got her as a pup and then she was trained. And that was my closest friend for 13 years. Never, ever left my side unless we went someplace where she couldn't go. So uh, that's that's kind of how I grew up and uh, always, always knew that I was different, always knew that I wasn't from here, I was always looking at the sky and the stars and, and just wanted to know about everything. Everything interested me. There was nothing I didn't want to know. 
and I had to learn about something to know if I liked it or didn't like it. You see? Yeah, absolutely. So this, uh, so. this, this, um, almost, um, you know, this natural um, affinity with technology that you seem to have from, you know, from being a small child, which is obviously uncommon. Uh, how, how, uh-huh. did that, how did that take shape? And uh, you know, how did you? Well. I was always taking apart the toaster and the clock and the TV and the camera and things like that. Mm. My parents were, you know, they were a little less than thrilled. But <laughs> I, I was yeah. not only could I take yeah. it apart, I was able to put it back together. And so, what sort of age was this? Uh, it started off maybe at the age of four and five. I started showing these proclivities. Uh, they bought me an erector set, uh, which was popular here in the states. Uh, and, uh, they, the Tinker Toys and things like that, which, uh, names you may have heard of that, that were popular then. So, so, you know, I would do all kinds of things with those and I would make unconventional things, things that others wouldn't even think about. And, uh, so by the age of six, I was basically repairing radios, televisions, uh, cameras, anything or appliances around the neighborhood. People had something broken, they'd bring it and they'll let Dale fix it. You know, so I would go to town on it. Well, and I mean, then I guess you won't charge him, was you? <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely not. It was just the thrill of doing it, you yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 So uh, it wasn't long after that uh, when Theodore Maiman, uh, Dr. Theodore Maiman, on May 16th of 1960, discovered the laser. And there was an article on the front page of uh, National Geographic magazine, which my family got. And I saw that, and I was absolutely inspired and decided, I've got to build me one of these things. So I built my first laser between the ages of six and seven, uh, which was a ruby laser based on the original design from Theodore Maiman. My father helped me with that. He uh, obtained for me from Union Carbide a ruby crystal bull, which I ground uh, at our local rock club into a cigarette cylinder shape about two inches long by a quarter inch. And then I made a uh, flash tube myself and built the whole thing, believe it or not, in a heavy toilet paper tube. And uh, after it was hit with pulses of energy from a capacitor bank, this light would flash and the laser would put out pulses of red light. It could actually pit razor blades, so it put out what we called about a half a Gillette at that time. So that was pretty cool, and it was fun, and I was hooked. Hooked for life, in fact, and I have built lasers my entire life uh, as a uh, profession as well as, you know, a, a hobby. Mm. So do you think that, um, you know, where do you think that understanding of lasers came from? Do you think that was already in your being, yeah. if you will? Yeah, it's already in the psyche, isn't it? It's already there. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I, uh, it was printed. part of me. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, fascinated with light. I was fascinated with crystals. There were so many things about me physically that were different. Uh, I was extremely sensitive to energy, whether it was magnetic or heat or light. Uh, I could sense it. I could feel it, uh, eyes closed or not. Uh, the uh, different abilities that I possessed, uh, whether they were psychic or uh, telepathic, things like that, my empathic skills. I had uh, an extra vertebrae in my body and my back. and I, My body temperature was always low, typically like 97. And very low blood pressure or things like that. So uh, it, it, it made me very, very different, very curious about everything around me. 
And I had, if you will, I was born with a head full of knowledge. I knew everything that I know now, but I didn't know how or why I knew it. I had no uh, obvious answers as to what to do with it. So I literally had to live a lifetime of experience and grow into my knowledge. And I remembered where I had come from that whole time. Uh, basically, uh, as a pleasure, and I, I volunteered uh, with a group uh, that was, uh, if you will, a vanguard force that you know, was to come to Earth some 60 years ago, basically the first wave uh, for the new, new, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Oh, the new age of, new of age. Uh, yeah. that everybody's been waiting for. Yeah. But there were a group of us for the Vanguard series that were to come to Earth and uh, basically to help humanity to grow into consciousness, uh, to raise their vibratory rates, and to prepare Mother Earth, Gaia, for uh, ascension to the higher realms. And so I trained for this for quite a long period of time. And as I finally got to that point, I'm on the craft. I'm on the ship and we're approaching Earth. We're getting to the point where I'm going to be dropped off and, and assume my position in a physical body. And I changed my mind. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to go. And they're literally pushing me out the door. You've got to go. You've got to go. You volunteered for this. So <laughs> I remembered that for in my lifetime, you know. And, uh, and so as a consequence, I was always still looking back, looking up and trying to grow into this knowledge. It was like uh, being born with a size uh, 14 shoes and, and having to grow into them. Mm. Well, so, I can definitely understand why you took one look at this place and thought, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back. But yes, it was, you, it was funny. It really you, was. you know. And I look back on it and I laugh now. Yeah. And, uh, did you get any but, sense of just how many of this, uh, the you know people involved in this first wave um, there were hundreds, if not thousands, but how many and, you know, they're basically widespread, sent all over the planet. And uh, so, yeah, I remember being in, in larger groups of, of people and training, but not a lot of specifics, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So what sort of uh, form was you when you were, when you came here then? Obviously, you well, the craft being pushed out. I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, as a Plejaran, we're typically, uh, fifth density or higher, a vibratory rate, which is considerably higher than, uh, Mother Earth on the third level right now. And, uh, so, you know, I was basically a being of light, a light energy being or a light. We take physical form, but our physical vibrations are very, very much higher. It's kind of like, uh, water reaching a boiling state uh, versus uh, cold water in the fridge. So uh, that's uh, how humans need to look at these things. It's it's not that we're that much different uh, physically, but uh, vibratory rates are much quicker, much higher. So, so everything, in, so, as you know, in, I'm on, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, so if people uh, saw these uh, beings in their physical form, what, what sort of shape uh, would we be talking? We're we talking pretty human looking. Um, yeah, uh, actually, my brothers and sisters are human. They are, they are human. They're physically, they look 
very much like uh, uh, other people. Uh, they have some key characteristics, of course. Uh, they're, typically, they're tall, they're blind, they're blue-eyed, uh, they're, they're beautifully formed, muscular. Uh, females tend to be extremely attractive. Males, uh, very handsome, that type of thing, uh, and fit. Uh, and they have a, 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 a chemistry about them, if you will, or a, an energy about them that uh, is very pleasing to be around and so forth. Uh, so if you know what to look for and how to look for it, you might possibly spot them walking among us. And they can do so, as I said, for a period of time. Uh, but this place will wear on you, for sure. Yes. Well, it wears on the best of us, doesn't it? Well, it is. Really, yeah. <laughs> you can't fall any lower now. You are on the lowest realms you can ever go. Yeah. You know, it's the basic, you know, the matter here is just so slow, you know. So, yeah. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, uh, so, so, what sort of age was you when you um, realized that there was an alien connection, if you will? Um, I guess I always knew, as as early as uh, you know, I can remember. Uh, for me, most things started to begin by the time I was five and six. I have some memories of that time. Uh, prior to that, I basically have lost those memories, if you will. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I do know that as early as I can remember, I remembered those types of things and, uh, some of the encounters that I had with craft and, and unusual things began also around that age. And, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I mean, like I said, it was just, uh, uh now it's a conglomeration of those thoughts and feelings. Uh, some of them have been masked by time, uh, but uh, feeling different, yeah, I still do every minute of every day. I'm reminded of it. Uh, I tried to escape it for 56 of my 62 years, and I finally had to accept who and what I was. So it, it took a long time. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I would have thought, though, no, Dale, that the first wave would be the hardest. You know, if, when they came, they'd be the hardest because after, after that wave would came some more and it comes some more. So I think the first wave would be the hardest to adjust, you know, to... To raise the consciousness? Yes, yes, uh, it, it yeah. was, and we and we were trained to, uh, uh, that was part of the training we received. We were told it would be extremely hard, and they weren't kidding, I can tell you. Uh, to coin the phrase, uh, and to be absolutely honest, for me, every day here is like stone knives and bear skins. <laughs> yeah. It Definitely. truly is. And, yeah. and that's not to say that, that people are so primitive. Um, some of them truly are, but it, it's just the, the overall vibratory rate here is just so unbelievably low. Uh, and that's why we were sent in the first place to help humanity to realize this and take their rightful place in the universe. Do you get the impression that it's uh, deliberately kept that low? Well, yes, in some sense it is. Uh, as I said, uh, what most don't realize is that Mother Earth, Gaia is a living entity. This Absolutely. planet is a Absolutely. living entity. Yeah. There, you know, and if you can't quote quite that stretch, if you stop to think about it for a moment on the scale of the planet, there is not a single square millimeter on this planet that does not have life on it mm -hmm. and in it. So uh, just a slight stretch more and you begin to realize that the earth is a living entity and does react as a living entity. So the all things everywhere in the universe are doing one thing. 
and that is they are learning, experiencing, and striving to return to the source and share that experience. And so Mother Earth must evolve. She must move on. She must go into a higher level. Well, and that's what the Age of Aquarius was all about. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think we're on borrowed time anyway, Dale. Definitely. We're on borrowed time. We've, we've been given, I think, an extension, you know. Yes, we have. We're, we're given an extension now because we've gone over that, you know, we've gone over that line, you know, so to hopefully more people will awaken, you know, we're, um, but I think it's a kind of a tap. Uh, it should now be running, flowing, but now you're just getting drip, drip, drip. So. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and to, to, to make, to, to laugh on that point of the drip, 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 which I 100% agree with you, yep, so is you that, know. uh, in one, in parts of my years, I actually worked for a company and helped design and make the very first Mr. Coffee coffee machine that was made in the United States. Yeah. I handmade the uh, plastic injection molds and dyes for that machine. So talk about the drip, drip, drip. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, it's followed me my whole life. I don't know. I just said that. Don't know why. It's. I think it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, fantastic. Absolutely, because I believe in it. I've known this stuff for many, many, many years. So it's a. It's kind of an honour to talk to you, to listen to you. You know, it really is. Well, thank you. you thank know, you really very much. Is. So, so um, getting back to these waves, then, uh, what you know, how many waves has has there been any more waves since you uh, arrived then? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the waves continue to come, uh, and they're typically generational or thereabouts to not be too obtrusive. But as both of you realize and, and probably see, not only here, but see around you, the young people coming in these days, the children are coming in with gifts that are wide open. And they are absolutely standing out and impressing people left and right. They're coming in with the music, music abilities and gifts and mathematical abilities and all sorts of abilities far, far beyond the norm. They've been able to walk at extremely early ages. They can speak many languages and they don't even know why. And, uh, you know, so this is becoming very prevalent. uh, Yeah, Dale, do you think it was um, Mother Earth that sent out the SOS or do you think it was higher beings? That said, come on, we need other people here to come to the earth and help these, this race grow. You reckon it was, uh, I think it, it was Mother probably earth? both, a yeah. little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what we really need, what we're working toward at this point in time is to raise the, the mass consciousness level of humanity, uh, to the point to where, uh, without interfering with free will, that's the big ticket. Yeah. Uh, we're raising that consciousness level until we reach what I call critical mass, just like a bomb. And when we reach critical mass, say 60 or 70 percent of the population, more than 50 in this case, uh, and they are finally awake enough to realize that we need help. And they finally, as a group consciousness, ask for help. That's when my brothers and sisters and others like us can come in and say, okay, it's about time, group. We're here. We'll help you any way we can. So but until that time. So yeah. also basically we're, we're sorting out the wheat, the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Well, Just, yeah, know, in a sense. Yeah. In a sense, yes. We, we can't help everybody. No, uh, I, don't, I don't. No. So that's what I was going to say. Do you, do you, obviously, the way you're describing it, it seems like this is um, to the human race's benefit. Is, is that 
because uh, well, I'll ask you that first. Do you think obviously you, this is to the human race's benefit? Yes, I yeah. believe so. Do you think uh, on that agenda then? Do you think that there's other races of alien that have got a more negative um, relationship with the human race? There definitely are. Um, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, whom most of you have heard of and know, uh, I believe in wholeheartedly, but I'd somewhat disagree with him when it comes to saying that all ETs are benevolent, uh, when in fact uh, I know specifically of some that are not. Uh, in my purview, in my realm, I tend to stay away from the greys, and the reptilians, uh, those two, uh, the greys being the minions, basically that work for the reptilian races and the reptilians being the overlords that control not only uh, humanity, but the cabal and the elite here on earth that answer to them. So would you, um, would you think on, on my level then, uh, Dale, that these greys or evil entities, they're lower astral realms? And, you know, I've been saying this for years, but, you know, we've, uh, they, they're actually, they're not aliens from another planet, they're actually, you know, here. They're on the low astral realms. They are here. Uh, they do exist in this realm. Uh, and, uh, the, the, uh, the greys, uh, or, or the reptilians, the reptilians have basically been in control of this planet, uh, which they conquered and won in a war. Uh, with the others, about 350,000 years overall, give or take a few thousand, which really is unimportant. But uh, humanity was it was created, it was seeded, it was uh, uh, designed, if you will, uh, call us designer genes. We have uh, at least 12 different races worth of DNA within us. And so it's a kind of a, a genetic soup that creates humanity overall. Yet there are pure humans, and which is why the Plajaran, being uh, a human race, is very, very concerned about us uh, because they uh, they feel responsible for us and and are and love us and dearly want to help us because we are we are brethren, literally. Uh, but uh, we present. Uh, how would I say it? We present a lot of problems to those that wish to control us because we are unique, because we are so different. And uh, because of the, the growth and the process that Earth is going through right now, uh, this is the place to be. This is where all beings wish to incarnate or wish to exist for a while for experience levels uh, on Earth. And that's why there's so many, so vastly many here right now. Up to 82 species are known to be visiting. 82. Yeah. And uh, and what sort of percentage of that 82 would you say you have got good intent? Uh, uh, there's probably most of them, yeah. as Dr. Grisserts, that most of them are, are pretty highly developed. And, you know, it, let's face it, if you're anywhere from uh, uh, tens of thousands to million years in advance of the human race and have gone through all of the, the pain and everything to get there, mm. you usually get to the point where you, you throw away that uh, malevolent attitude. Uh, the races that tend to stay in the fourth level 
that are, are grazing the fifth, uh, if you will, yeah. they can they can drop in and out and they have certain agendas. Now, that's not to say that I believe that almost all the different races have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> but in a great number of cases, it coincides with the benefit of humanity. So uh, it, it definitely would be for humanity's benefit uh, to wake up and to be allowed to, uh, to grow and to expand and to take our rightful place in the universe. So is this to the benefit of humans and animals, or is it mainly just humans that we're talking about? Every life form on this planet will yeah. benefit. And every life form on this planet currently is undergoing evolution, not just in the sense of uh, Darwinian evolution, but in the sense of of frequency vibration and higher frequencies coming in. Uh, We are in an area of space, and uh, we've come into as the galaxy rotates, as the sun and the system rotates, and has come into the photonic energy of the Alcyon sun, which is the main sun from the Pleiades. Uh, so there is photonic energy that is bombarding this area of space and our planets and every planet in the system has been and is being affected. Temperatures are going up. Magnetic fields are changing. Energy is increasing yeah. and that is prevalent everywhere. Uh, you, our scientists admit that much, but they don't know why or they're not willing to say why. Mm. So you think they're at the... I mean, I'm jumping ahead a bit here. It's okay. It's okay. Do you believe that there is a cover-up then to to an extent? Oh, absolutely. It's got to be. Uh, well, in my own personal opinion, yes. I believe that there's a great, great cover-up. Yeah. One of the greatest secrets ever kept from humanity. Yes. And you think that's just because they don't understand what's happening rather than sinister? Um. No, I believe it, it is a combination of both. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the control from the reptilian and the cabal and so forth, uh, you know, we're basically under uh, the system that has been referred to or coined as the Babylonian money magic system. That means every single one of us here on this planet is striving, is going, living and breathing and working every single day. We go to work, we eat, sleep, and we work. We eat, sleep, and we work. And we're locked into this this money magic system where we get remunerated for little things that we do instead of being allowed to expand and grow and become good at what we truly love and enjoy. So, you know, we're being held back in every sense of the word. So you're actually living on a limited realm. You know, you're limited. Very limited. You're very limited. You know. Very, very limited, yes. So, obviously, uh, I mean, you spoke about, like, when you were young and you had this, you had, like, you, you knew there was some sort of connection going on. So when did you start seeing, uh, let's start with UFOs then. For you know, When did you start seeing UFOs? Um, my earliest recollection is, and I can't give you an exact date. I don't remember that any longer. Uh, uh, you'll forgive me for being somewhat senile at my age, but <laughs> uh, it, it was between the ages of six and nine, uh, uh, probably closer to seven and nine. When uh, uh, back in those days, uh, most children these days do not know what it is to have chores in the house and to earn an allowance, mm. as it were. 
uh, we used to get uh, 50 cents a week, perhaps uh, a quarter a week, whatever it was, uh, to do certain chores, which would be taking out the garbage, washing the dishes, uh, you know, uh, uh, tying up the papers, burning the trash, whatever those types of things would be, and and perhaps even cutting the grass, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of mine. And my father had uh, two of the old-style rotary blade uh, push mowers. One was large, and somebody modified and put a, a old Briggs and Stratton engine on it. And uh, the other was smaller, about a 12-inch cut, or, or maybe a little larger, and had that old rotary blade on it. And it was just about the point where I could push it. So okay. I would go out in the yard and mess with that to push it and try and cut some of the grass. And uh, I remember on a particular beautiful sunny day, bright uh, sun, blue blue sky, no clouds. I was out uh, doing this uh, so-called mowing, and I, I lived uh, uh, in a place called Columbia Station, Ohio. Uh, there was a lot of open land around us. In fact, there was a railroad track and a, uh, a large uh, uh, orchard that was behind our house. So there was a lot of open land and everything, and it was a very quiet neighborhood. And as I'm out there mowing on this particular day, and it had to be somewhere around noon or a little thereabouts, so the sun was relatively high, uh, I, I had this funny feeling. I didn't know what it was exactly, but I uh, stopped mowing for a moment, and I looked all around. I didn't see anything. But then I decided, well, I need to look up. And as I looked up, Above me, in a uh, equilateral triangle position, and at each point of that equilateral triangle, there was a silver disc. And, you know, these these discs, if you will, were flying in this formation. Mm-hmm. And as I would move, they would move with me. And if I would stop, they would stop. And I'd watch them for a while, that kind of thing. But it didn't bother me. It didn't frighten me. It, it didn't make me nuts and uh, you know, or anything like that. I was just perfectly content with, oh, look at that. These guys are up there and watching me. Cool. And I went right back to mowing the grass and never thought another thing about it that I recall. Mm. Uh, so things like that would happen, and it felt perfectly normal to me. Uh, then further growing up, of course, uh, I grew up on a uh, in between uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and Tennessee, which is uh, basically where I consider myself to have been raised. I was raised because I stayed with my dad's father and mother, grandparents, that I dearly loved. And they had a large, large farm, plantation in uh, Tennessee, Huntington, Tennessee. And so I grew up there as a hillbilly, as a, as a farmer. Mm-hmm. and loved that life dearly. And I would lay out on a hill uh, where we had the house and the plantation, and I would literally stare at the sky for hours on end. And uh, But then, of course, there wasn't any light pollution, so to speak, so I could look at the Milky Way. I could even read a book by the light of the Milky Way. <laughs> so I had that experience that most young people today, unfortunately, have not had. Yeah, I must admit, I've not even had that experience. I have. I've had a, a few of them. Yeah, so. it was a, it was truly amazing, fellas. Yeah. It really was, and so I was very thankful for that. But I always knew, looking at those stars, and could feel. I I knew that I wasn't from here. I didn't belong here. I wanted. I desperately wanted yeah. to go home, but I knew I had work to do here, so I stayed. I did what I could, you know. At this point, you see in craft uh you know what we what we refer to as ufos 
Uh, when was the, the, the first sort of um, communication? Um, was that relatively young or, or, or relatively recent? Um, presuming that you've had communication with them. Um, you know, the, the communications and things that I got when I was younger were probably more in the form of uh, telepathic. They were more in the form of gentle guidance. Mm. They were more in the form of, uh, I always knew that there was somebody kind of sitting on my shoulder sort of deal, but not that I ever saw anybody that I recollected uh, or that they you know, physically took me on board ships or anything like that uh, until later. And uh, so I always knew that there was a presence, but I didn't, it wasn't something I questioned too much. Uh, it was just, it was that knowing and uh, that inner knowing and, you know, do I choose this one or that one or do I, do I like this color or that color or should I go here or should I go there? There was always that gentle uh, persuasion, knowing which direction, which way to go or uh, hearing the thought or something like that. Or even a voice perhaps would say uh, to me gently, you know, nobody around, but I would hear it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I always had some form of uh, uh, communications and so forth. Later on in life, I found that I had uh, whatever they, they call them, guides, and yeah. uh, I was made aware of those. And the funny part of it was is that the names of the guides turned out to be the names of, of the planetary systems in which I came from. So, you know, there were all these little things that began to show themselves, and then I didn't know until later on. So, so uh, how, yeah. How, how did you find out where exactly you came from? Then did they obviously communicate that to you today? Uh, as I tell most people, uh, if you're interested in knowing where you're from, mm -hmm. if you've always had this this nagging feeling that you're not from here or that you don't belong here, or you find yourself staring at the sky every moment you can and so forth, uh, the easiest thing to do, or my recommendation is, is that. You simply relax, quiet your mind, do a little bit of the meditative relaxation, if you will, and and calmly stare at the sky and so forth. And you're going to find that there is either a star, a star system, or a constellation uh, that you resonate with, that, yeah. that, you know, that you're always drawn to, that no matter what you do, you're pulled back to that particular place. And for me, it was always the Pleiades. Uh, I was fascinated with the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters. And every chance I get, I was looking at it, reading about it, uh, the photos, or later on in life taking pictures of it, et cetera, et cetera. So I always knew that that's the place that I resonated with. And there were other things then that come into play. So once you know that, you can then begin to uh, ask questions and concentrate and look for answers. And through synchronicity, through actual contact and various things, you'll begin to get the answers that you're looking for. Mm, I mean, I, I always look to the sky, but it's, um, I mean, it, it could be for that reason. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I look to the sky because I've seen UFOs as well. So, I mean, that, once, uh -huh, you've, uh -huh. once you've seen something like that, you, you, you tend to. I think you. I think uh, most people man, go through their lives looking down, yeah, don't they? And, uh, I, mean, I, I think the best thing is uh, pendulums, you know, because I've spent my life. I've got my own pendulum, so um, right. it's obviously, you know, the your higher self controls the pendulum. So if you want some uh -huh. answers, you know, sit quiet. And I found with my pendulum, I've got some amazing answers, you know, some amazing uh, answers from it. So, mm. but the uh, it's, you know, the it's it's who you are, 
you know. Um, right, you know, right. It's, 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 when I was when I was uh, when I was a very young child, Dale, you, you mentioned earlier about yours, and it's just like, oh my god, you, know, you even had a German Shepherd, as you uh-huh. mentioned. I, when I was young, I had a German Shepherd who I loved, and I I, yeah. I only related to him. I never went out. I didn't go out anywhere. I didn't like going out. I stayed in a home reading books because it was, it's quite <laughs> spooky. Yes. Um, yeah. And I used to um, talk to people in my bedroom. I always stayed in my bedroom and I used to talk to people, but I only saw the heads, not the bodies, uh-huh. just heads, okay. you know. So, and I was always a quiet child and I hated mixing with other people because I didn't feel right as well. So I, I can relate to you, Dale, what you, you know, um, what you're going through. So, you feel odd, and I was drawn to. He uh, was on about the electrical lasers, and that, and I, I, it was quite funny because um, I used to be into electrical stuff when I was little, but I always got I, I always got electrocuted. You know, I, I, did, oh. I did. I wanted to see if this went there, that went there. I, 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 we had a uh, electric socket in the hallway, and I said, uh-huh. you know, we had no cover on because I, oh, I don't know. And I went, and I, I was fascinated. If I put that there, and the next thing I knew, I was. I was about uh, three meters over there, you know, in the electric shop. Um, exactly. Uh, I think the the best one for me, I think I've told you on Ali, um, is I got some wire um, from the shed. My mum and dad and all my brothers they was out for the day. I I just I was a loner, so I got this wire from the shed, and I brought it in. I was going to attach it to one socket to another, and I thought, what's it? You know, I'm going to blow the house up here. You know, I'm going to blow yeah, it up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm just about to throw the switch, and I swear this uh, being on my left is—it's like Mr. Ben, you know. Bing, he's there, and he's—he's and he's, he's having a real go at me, trying to take the wire out, you know. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I've had that kind of when I was I was, I was alone there and stuff and that, but you do feel different. But yeah, it's it's. Mm. Is that you've had experience as well? Yeah, you've no, had experience I, I was going to say, um, you know. going back to your point about hearing a voice and stuff. Yeah, I mean, empath. obviously, a lot of people nowadays will put that down to uh, ghosts or um, you know that sort of thing. I mean, do you think a lot of these so-called ghost experiences then could be this communication, but people are not aware of it, so to speak? Well, it you know it, it's highly possible. Uh, however. For myself, and I speak strictly for me, uh, uh, I tend to stay away from ghosts and ghost stories and things like that. Uh, I don't believe that I have had any ghost encounters in my life that I'm aware of. Uh, I don't know why, but I just don't particularly feel comfortable with, with the ghost kind of thing. But, you know, entities of all kinds or uh, aliens, if you will, or uh, other beings visiting, that doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I have always known my sovereignty, who I am, and I plain and simply tell them point blank, you know, do not mess with me if you are not here for good, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so I stand my ground. But I also have to point out that I did not learn to do that until later in life, mm. after I had had some very difficult yeah. experiences, which we could touch on, mm. uh, that uh, for your listeners, uh, to be very, very careful what you ask for, because you may get it. Yeah. And uh, so the adage is true. And uh, uh, you must be careful. You must be careful indeed. Hmm. Do you want to go into that then before I ask you the, um, the you know, bit more on the communication side of things? Uh, it relates to actually I had an abduction scenario. Uh, 1986, uh, that occurred in a local, uh, uh, national park here. Um, uh, and, uh, I asked for it. 
at that particular time in my life, I was pretty fed up with uh, the things going on on this planet, and I wanted to go home in the worst possible way. And uh, so I was asking, you know, I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to meet DETs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. My problem was is that I did not truly know who I was asking for or what I was asking for, so I did get my wish. Oh, yeah, I met DETs all right, but it was the lousy craze and a few others, and they did some work on me that I won't soon forget. So, mm. uh, you know, they left me with the scars and the implants and the whole thing, and that was uh, – that was uh, some serious business. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't take kindly to that. And I, I recommend, like I said, to the listeners, be very careful what you ask for. It's okay to ask for contact with ETs. It's okay to ask for uh, your own people if you're aware of them. But when you ask, simply be certain that you ask for those that have your highest good in mind and that are of a benevolent nature here for the helping of humanity. If they are not, tell them to keep their distance and stay away because you have the sovereign right to declare that. Mm. So you and think they have to obey it. Yeah, I was going to say, so do you think by initiating it, you almost give them free free will to do what they wanted then? Is that? I did indeed. I yeah. asked for it and I got it. And, mm. uh, you know, so I, I learned that lesson. And it wasn't that long ago, 1986, uh, you know, so I, I was pretty considerably older. I was deeply involved in UFOs. I have been all my life uh, and then became a professional ufologist and everything else. But uh, so I, uh, I've been exposed to it and everything. But here again, I was not fully aware and informed. So I, I got what I asked for, but it was a harrowing experience. I would not want to repeat it, nor would I recommend it to anyone. Mm. So that, uh, you know. that only that only happened once, then, right? Yeah. Right. So, did you get a sense of what they were after? The uh, well, yeah, I knew exactly what they were after, uh, and uh, uh, it uh, it's somewhat embarrassing. But on the other hand, for those listeners who may be listening and have had experiences and they've been so afraid to talk to anybody about it. If you have had these experiences, come forward, tell people it's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so what if somebody is not ready to hear it? If they're not ready to hear it, shake the dust off your feet and move on. You know, go to the places where they are willing to listen. Uh, but uh, typically the greys do the dirty work for the reptilians. They are working and trying to create hybrid races uh, I was taken along with a female, um, and uh, they they did the the breeding trick on us. They and a child was produced from that union, hmm. uh, which I later saw, later met, and uh, you know, so it, it, it was not the kind of thing that uh, I would recommend for everybody. You know, hmm. sexual fantasies and that type of thing. It is not. It is. Uh, <laughs> it can be very scarring. Uh, very Absolutely, very scarring. Yeah. So it can be a traumatic experience, much like uh, the original case from Barney and Betty Hill, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, whom I studied extensively, and uh, Kathleen Martin, who is the niece, uh, yeah, who yeah. I've met and know pretty well, uh, you know, wonderful lady. Uh, so those type of things are, they do occur. But, uh, you know, and there are many different uh, gray races uh, somewhere between nine and twelve distinct gray species, but and and forgive me for this, uh, listeners as well as yourselves. I guess if I have any uh, prejudice at all, 
Uh, it is because I've learned it, uh, because normally I do not I, against any race, creed, yep. color, sex, or otherwise. But uh, in order to simply weed out the possibilities, I simply say if you're gray or you're reptilian, I don't want anything to do with you, even though there are some that are good, some that have come to the other side and following the light, so to speak, and that there are certain races of those that have been uh, converted and are making the effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than take the chance, I simply say, at this point in time, no, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't approach me, don't bother me, until I'm certain. If I meet you from my people and they introduce me, okay, no problem, but otherwise, no. So, uh, you know, and, and that's a, a choice. And I still do it with love. I still do it respect. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, so, you, the, I mean, they can't just do it uh, against your will then? No, no, no they cannot. No. Uh, truthfully, they cannot, no. Okay. So, um, obviously, you mentioned just there there's this uh, communion and you, you ended up, uh, well, you believe that the child was born. And you said that uh-huh. you saw this child. Was that was that aboard a craft or was that actually on the earth? No, it was later on uh, on the earth uh, in a particular situation and it, it was a girl. Uh, and, uh, I had very limited contact with that, but, uh, and then of course lost contact entirely with the, uh, the female that, uh, I had, uh, had produced this with, uh, which was a very, very strange story in and of itself. It, it's a rather long and complicated story, but, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, she came into my life, uh, uh, and, and did what we did and then immediately left my life. So it was a, it was a very very odd situation, but you know I can look back and I realize now I got exactly what I asked for. Mm. I just didn't know what I was asking for. So uh, I I do recommend you know being very specific. I do recommend uh, protecting oneself, but never ever be afraid. Uh, those that are here for benevolent work and uh, for the benefit of humanity would never ever harm another. They would even sacrifice their own lives rather than to harm yeah. a human. Uh, but uh, the bad well, ones look uh, out. That's evolution in action. Then, did, um, yes. Did um, you actually have contact with with these uh, Palladians, as you call them? Is it, am I right in thinking that the Palladian people are the same as what we call Nordic aliens? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, there's there is some crossing there. Uh, even sometimes I find a little difficulty with some of the definitions, mm. you know, and then there are uh, apparently uh, two or three factions of Pajaran. Okay. Uh, you know, I can't give you all the details on that. I only remember a few things here and there. I wish I had more specifics. Mm. Uh, and I ask constantly, you know, do this, do that, the other thing. Um now, when if I'm taken on board a craft, and I know I have been a couple of times, they typically will do it when I'm in a uh, 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 like a lucid dream, an extremely lucid dream, rather than physicality. Mm. Unfortunately, as I said, I'm I'm 62. I'm overweight. I have a number of issues. Uh, which, uh, physically, uh, ailments and so forth. And I've done, I'm doing as the best I can. I work every day at it and I'm stubborn as the dickens, so I'm not going to give up no matter what. <laughs> but they tell me point blank that if they tried to take me on board a craft physically right now, it would kill me. Uh, the vibratory rates are just too high. 
and it, pretty much like it is for them. And so when the Plejaren ships are seen these days, pretty much like the light, uh, the light craft, the, uh, the beautiful spheres of plasma and things like that, those are typically Plejaren-like craft. Okay. And what we're seeing is a craft that is what I call phased. It's in between the, the physical realm here and in between the higher realms of fourth and fifth levels yeah. of, of energy. And they do that for a couple of reasons. One, certainly any aircraft chasing them or anything is not going to be able to touch them. And another reason is because it takes so little energy to stay within that realm rather than to try and literally force themselves to congeal into the third density. Mm. So, uh, you know, they, they, they take that form and it, it's also a very efficient way for them to travel. And they, they also can, because of being light like that, they can also, when they want people to see them, they, they, they allow themselves to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I've seen, I've seen that myself and I, I wonder if, um, my theory, um, basically is like, um, I don't know if you go along with this, but I'll put it to you anyway. The uh-huh. the, the way the craft um, become visible to us is almost like the way uh, photons operate. So when they hit the glass, obviously there's a you know like sunlight, for instance, as, a, as a, it's a, a you know a window, it, um, the photons go into the glass, and then for a short time they're they're you know immersed in the glass, and then they pass out through the other side. And, uh-huh. uh, so you get like, you've almost got two realms either side of this pane of glass. Um, and obviously the two either side aren't visible, but only when it hits the glass, it's visible. Um, and, and I'm talking about photons here, but I, I get the same sort of feeling when I see craft do this in and out of, uh-huh. um, well, blink in, blink like out when it comes into right. my realm, if you will, right. that's at the, t- that's like the photon hitting the glass. Would you go along with that sort of? Well, it's a, it's a very similar sort of thing. Uh, and I try to tell folks about it. I say, look at it this way. It's kind of like water. Water mm-hmm. can exist in, in three states. It can exist frozen as a solid. Mm-hmm. It can exist liquid as it does on the surface. And it can also yeah. exist as a steam or a gas. All right. And each of those points of existence has to do with its vibratory rate. So when it's in a form of ice, it is vibrating slowly. When it's in liquid water, it's moving a little more quickly. When it is steam, it's obviously moving much faster and therefore, you know, a different state. Mm. And I think that this I think is that, that's the same with uh, consciousness as well. Well, you've got you've precisely. Got, yeah, you've got solid, liquid, and gas, etheric, superetheric, right. and then you've got uh, atomic and subatomic. Okay. Yes. That, that's the basic, basic, mm. you know. Uh, Energy, matter, whatever. Uh, but you've also, we'll just, we'll just stay on this planet. Uh, Mother Earth has got seven realms of existence. Seven realms. Uh-huh. You know, yes. you, you've got the, you've got the astral realms, you've got the mental realms. So I think the higher realms, that's where they are. You know, they can bl- you see the, a craft blink in, blink out. I think the, these craft do stay in the higher realms of the Earth. I don't think yes. they come from their planet. I think they are on the Earth, but they are, they are in the higher realms, mm. you know. Well, yes. You know, you know Andy and Lee, uh, uh, I have been with uh, different groups of people where I've had, you know, four, five, and six people in a group and we're watching a craft, yep. uh, that type of thing. And I can tell you that they very easily can selectively decide who sees them and who does not. Yeah. Where I've had maybe four of the people in the group see the craft, the other two cannot, and we're looking right at them. 
Uh, so they absolutely know when you're looking. They know what you're thinking. They know everything, and they can decide if, if you know, they want you to see them or not. And a lot of times this is not because they're playing God or otherwise. It is because they have predetermined who can actually handle the experience and who cannot. If they yeah. feel in any way, shape, or form that this will distress a person or frighten them, they will not allow it to happen. And so, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the good aliens, not the, not the greys. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> the greys, they, they, care they just don't care. Yeah. Well, again, you said you've got the uh, seven realms on Mother Earth, but you have four not natural realms, uh, which are the lower realms, which I think these greys or reptilians, where they're, you know, the dark realms or the hells or what you want to call it. Obviously, this group is is there, you know. Um, uh, they, so yeah, the the, the overlords the they're yeah. typically in the fourth level. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. So their their vibratory rate is slightly higher, uh, which is where a lot of people are going in and out of now. Those that are making the transition, including myself, um, I, I and this has begun to happen more and more to me. We mm-hmm. will see different places, hear voices, see and feel energy, yeah. see things out of the sides of our eyes. Uh, this and that will will be like we're in a dream state at times. So there are a lot of things that are happening to us, and people are starting to think, geez, am I going crazy? What the heck yeah. is going on with me? But these are manifestations of literally your vibratory frequency changing, and you're popping in and out of these levels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it, for those of us that are doing that, it's perfectly normal. Those that aren't, don't be concerned. If you're ready, you'll do so. It comes with state of mind, state of heart, and and so forth. Uh, and you can make these things happen. But, it, you know, it's simply declaring, I'm ready. I wish to proceed. I'm not afraid. And and uh, it, will, it will take place. Yep. Mm, I mean, I'd do that. I'm, I, I, you know, I would. I'd, I'd say, you know, I'm ready and all that. But I'm not. I'm a bit reluctant to. I'm not quite sure what the consequences See, what, what, would why be. Why are the know? rest of running around like headless uh, chickens? Oh, you good. know, yeah. you know, they're, they're getting panic attacks, which is it's your this spacesuit is it's because the frequency is getting higher and higher. Your body is trying to adjust to it. And then you're getting all these physical symptoms. You're getting panic attacks. You get pains and aches and stuff. So obviously the doctor's getting busy, but you know, it's the frequencies getting higher and higher. So it's people trying to adjust, yeah. and then they're going, oh, you know, t- pills. I'll take this pill. Yeah. I'll take that well, pill. Yeah. That'll take that. You know, someone's got to make money out of it. Of course they do. What's well, the that's uh, the old plan, isn't it? That's the old plan, isn't it? So right. how, you know, what sort of time scale are we talking about for this end game then? If there is, <laughs> if there is, one. I wish I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to go it. home. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it's going to happen very, yeah. very soon. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had myself uh, a more of a definitive schedule. I don't. Uh, the war is being waged literally all yeah. around us and above Absolutely. us. Uh, the war for the control of the planet and for the freedom of humanity is literally being waged. Yeah. Uh, people right now are, are just so totally unaware yeah. of what is going on and why. And, and part of the reason is that we are either controlled or drugged to the nth degree. And to give an example of that, everywhere you look, you are going to find somebody with a cell phone in their hand and they're staring at it constantly. This is a drug, ladies and gentlemen. This is a drug, a physical drug, a technical drug. Mm. And it is designed to keep you absorbed and looking where they want you looking instead of where you should be looking. 
Mm. All right. So I constantly tell people, pull your head out of your cell phones, take a look around at the world around you and start paying attention. Uh, and, and, and the, I give, I'll cite an example. I just got back from China. I was there for two months. Uh, I, and just before we left, uh, I live in a, a metro park area and uh, there is a five-way intersection uh, not far from our house here that I was sitting at. And uh, the, the light changed, and all the traffic is going through the lights back and forth. And a woman comes from the sidewalk. She walks directly through the traffic. People are beeping and everything, cars screeching to a halt within moments or inches of her. And never once did she look up from her cell phone. Oh, yeah. yeah that's you know, a it, few times, it yeah. just amazes me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see this, I am sure, everywhere you look. And this is just one form of the cabal, of the reptilian nature that is uh, the, the control to keep you suppressed. Yeah, and absolutely. if people knew the truth, if they knew what was really, truly happening in the rest of the world, instead of being so insulated uh, as we are here in the United States, in fact, I'll tell you guys, I listen to the BBC News if I want to know what's going on. I'm certainly yeah. not going to listen to CNN or any Absolutely. of those. Absolutely. I They're all connected anyway. Ours yeah. is just as bad as yours, Dale. Yeah, so, you know, you know, the, it's media, isn't it? It's media, so it's, it's going to be lies and whatever. Oh, so, so, much, uh, so much flag, uh, yeah. false flag information, Absolutely. so many false news stories, everything mm-hmm. sensationalism. The is point it? of it is is that the war has been waged. The reptilians are on the run, as well as the cabal. Uh, they, we forced their hand. It is not long until they're done, but they will fight to the last last one of them. The last yeah. Yeah. And so they're pulling. They're literally Sorry. pulling out all the stops. And all the negativity in the world, all the wars, all the inhumanity to man and woman that is going on is designed to keep humanity focused on those negative things because the longer we focus on the negativity, the more energy the reptilian get from it. They live on negative energy. Yeah. Uh, and, these, uh, uh, and they bottle it as well. What do the cabal, and if we go along those lines, what do they benefit from siding with the reptilians? What do they get? Well, it's kind of like, you know, you're doomed if you go either direction. You know that, but you'd rather be on the side that you think is going to win. So they kind of hang out with the reptilians because mm-hmm. they've been in control for so long. It's kind of like they're the lap dogs and they uh, have lived in pretty good luxury as mm-hmm. long as they don't uh, fight the powers to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, as long as you obey me and I, I snap my whip, that's fine. You'll hang around a little bit longer. But the minute you stand up and, and uh, oppose, me you're gone mm-hmm. so uh, uh the cabal basically follows that regime and that's the the certain elite and uh, people call them the illuminati the cabal there's all kinds of names for it but you will find that maybe one uh, percent or 0.5 percent of the human population is in that realm the rest of us are literally the dogs and cats of society okay so Getting back to the um, craft then, because you obviously mentioned just a bit there that the um, their craft normally represents itself as a like a ball of light or energy. Do, what do the what craft should we look out for then? Which ones are the bad guys? Well, <laughs> the, you know, the, 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 uh, like that, you yeah. feel frightened. They though. can. Uh, they uh, they often appear as craft of light. People call them plasma craft, uh, and they're seen more often now than not. Uh, but I, I also, they also have physical craft, of course. 
and physical craft um, are beautiful. A great number of them are quite beautiful. I mean, and I'm sure you, as well as many others, are aware of uh, a lot of the old contacts, a lot of the UFO cases, like Billy Meyer, for example, and the Pleiadian contacts there. Mm. Uh, there were definitely physical craft that they possessed. They have certain types of craft which are common. So, you know, for those people that are interested, uh, look up Billy Meyer, look up the Pleiadian craft, uh, and you'll see the physical craft. But the uh, the light craft, as I said, serve several purposes. And not only that, they get the attention uh, where a physical craft might not be as easily seen, might not be uh, noticed. Myself, uh, I typically avoid the uh, the, the classic uh, triangle craft, the TR-3B, the TR-3A, any of those craft. Those are our own MELAB or military craft, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and I don't get too excited about those. Those are basically mechanical craft. Any of the highly advanced uh, ET craft are basically living entities. These craft are designed such that they literally uh, connect to uh, the consciousness and the physical forms of the ET that uh, that occupy them. So they are, are very, very highly evolved. And there is a symbiotic relationship between the two where our physical craft here, like those triangles and things, is strictly mechanical. Mm. And they do have, that's not to say that they don't have quite advanced uh, technology involved in them. They do. Uh, but not nearly the type of the technology that would be involved in a, in a true ET craft. Hmm. So, do you think there's been a sharing of technology then? Or do you no, think that? I definitely agree. Would that. you, you know, because I'm not sure if a sharing of technology would really benefit us, but do you think there has been a sharing of technology? Uh, well, I'm not sure I quite understood your question, but, um, would you would you kind of repeat that or rephrase that for me? Yeah, you know, like um, obviously we, you know, people talk about the Roswell crash and uh, you know the 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 craft being taken back and um, and all the you know uh, and getting, being like, re-engineered, yeah, back engineered, yeah, back engineered, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Obviously, yeah. that's one way that we could do it. But do you think there's been you know an alien race come and say you know here's X amount of technology? Which will benefit the human race, um, but what would they want in return? That's the bit I, I think you know, that I'm, is the lower not realms, sure. not the real oh, yeah, aliens, yeah. because it's, uh, and, and that's you know, back you know when uh, the contracts were signed with the Greys, uh, yeah. where they were uh, to give us uh, technology and we were to allow them to do abductions and cattle mutilations and things like that. Mm. And that mm. uh, you know, gentleman has completely gotten out of hand. Uh, we have done everything, and our own people. Uh, uh, the secret space program that exists uh, yep. between Solar Warden, uh, the IEC, and the Alliance, uh, three different factions of human uh, space program, uh, they have pretty much at this point eradicated, as I understand it, the uh, grays from our solar system. Uh, I get this information from people like, like Corey Good, uh, David Wilcock, and uh, Randy Kramer. And uh, Randy and I have been talking quite a great deal here lately. Uh, and uh, 
uh, I'm hopefully uh, helping them. We're going to be working on the biotechnology that he's been talking about bringing forth. There is a great deal of stuff which is being, as we said, drip-fed to humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I find myself growing very weary of this drip-feeding stuff, and I'm ready to put the pedal to the metal and let's get on with this. Yeah, no shit. I don't think that'll happen because I don't think they're ready for it. I really don't. Yeah, and, and being here in, as in loving service, that's, yep. that's mm-hmm. my choice. I'm here to serve. I, I do uh, consider, you know, all humans around me uh, with love and respect and so forth. But I'm at the point where literally I'm saying, okay, you know, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Mother Earth needs to move forward. Yeah, Humanity needs to move forward. Yeah. We're at the point, and we're never going to reach the point where everybody's going to be able to accept it. And, okay, so damn the torpedoes, guys. Let's just move ahead. And those that can't take it, I say to you, I'm sorry, I love you, but you're, you're just going to have to jump out the window, and that's that. Yeah. Okay, and the rest of us, we're going to move forward because Mother Earth can't wait any longer. She's literally yeah. shaking and falling apart at the seams trying to yeah. hold on, and she's going to shake like a dog, and the, and the fleas and ticks are going to go flying. Yeah. Uh, that's it, you know. So people are not really truly going to die what will happen is those that can't take it, they'll leave this physical realm, but they will go on to another planet, another place where they can continue at the level they're at and comfortable with now. The rest, we have to move on. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, Definitely that. I was going to ask you, um, before we get on to like your, your most recent sightings and uh, communications, I was going to ask you, what what do you perceived to happen, you know, when your human body, if you will, um, or space, it was uh, Andy's been calling it. What, what do you <laughs> so perceive will happen when your human you're... body dies? Um, oh, yeah. Do you get a sense of that? Have you been told? You know, I, I don't know if the two of you have seen the uh, American movie Hero 6. Uh, no. uh, it looks like the Marshmallow Man, and uh, this guy's a, a big inflated marshmallow, uh, <laughs> and he's a, uh, a healing robot. And uh, he gets a bunch of holes punctured in him, and he kind of rocks around with a little roll of scotch tape and patches up the holes. So in that respect, my my physical spacesuit has a lot of patched up holes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of these days the hole's going to get a little too big and the air is going to escape, and that's going to be the end of that. But I, I And I am a little bit selfish at this point. And and uh, my my need is is that I truly want to be here and to see this transformation for humanity. Mm-hmm. I want to be here to experience it in the physical realm, and that is that is my only. Uh, well, as I said, my 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 selfishness. Uh, you know, otherwise I I would be honored to to do whatever I have to do, and if I die in service, then I die in service. Uh, which we all expect. We knew that coming in. And a lot of people tell me uh, that, that know me, they said, well, we certainly expect that if anything happens, your people are going to pick you up and you'll be gone. I said, mm-hmm. I rather doubt it. I certainly believe at this point that more than likely they'll leave me here. Uh, you know, that, that we knew that going in. Uh, there, there are sacrifices to be made, and that's the way it goes. But so it, was uh, one, it was a one-way ticket. I think, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty I much, think- yeah. Uh, I think before this transmutation of uh, Mother Earth to raise a vibration, the lower astral realms have to go first. They, they'll collapse like a pack of cards, you know, and then you'll just have, you know, high realms, 
But uh, I don't think this uh, transmit <laughs> this you know when it, when it happens, it's not going to be you know beautiful. I think it's going to. Uh, you can tell it's, it's getting worse, don't you, with the, mm. with the television. I mean, I don't watch television, but I hear people on the radio. Yeah. It's all fear. Certainly fear not, porn. Certainly not getting fear better. porn, fear porn. So, what, um, you know, so I think it's not going to be a, a slender transition. I think it's going to be mm. a... Uh, so do you get, did you get the feeling or do you get a sense of uh, uh, reincarnation or anything like that? Or this energy transference as well? I believe. Do you, do you get the sense of that then, or do you think it's a once it's over, it's over type thing? No, I, I like I said, I, I believe that uh, when we leave this particular realm, that our energies, our consciousness, and everything does continue. Yeah. Um, mm. <clears throat> we have the choice uh, whether or not we reincarnate into another physical form, or that uh, we simply go back to where we were. Uh, you know, I have a home. I miss my family. I would like to go back to home. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, while I'm here, I have that specific job. And uh, at Plajaran are, are not much different in the respect that we do have attachments. We do have families. We do have children. Uh, we live a great deal of years. 900 to uh, 1,200 years is not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, our associations are, are much different uh, on the levels that we exist. Every thought, every deed, every thought that you have is instantly known by everyone else. There is no lying. There is no subterfuge. Uh, every thought that we have that is a creative thought creates instantly. So we must be in control of what we do. Uh, you know, so there is a lot of difference in that respect. Uh, many times I tell people uh, that we are beings of light uh and uh, to reference that i talk about the movies cocoon cocoon one cocoon two where uh, they, they kind of pull their skin down from their eye or strip their skin off and you see these glowing light beams and that is representative exactly of of the way that the pleasure are and the, the higher beings uh especially like the syrians and the arcturians and and so forth uh, so you know, this is what we have to look forward to. Uh, we do not die. Uh, I tell people that there is only one thing that exists in the entire universe, and that is light. And light can be in two forms. It's either in motion as light, or it is resting, which is the physical matter that people perceive all around them. And that's the reason Einstein's equation, E equals MC squared, works. That's why there's so much energy in mass or resting light when that is released when it, you know, because of that equation. But all light is doing one thing. It is either moving or resting, and it is doing, it is, is doing its best to share experience and to return to the source. The source. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's, that's all it's about. It has nothing to do with all of the stuff that we've tried to do here where we call it religions and different races and different points of view. We're all just a facet on a huge gemstone of the same individual, same thing. Mm. All man-made. Yeah. yeah. uh, All man-made. Yeah, so so just quickly then, I wanted to touch on your uh, most recent uh, contact or sightings. Um, and just give people a sense of how often, you know, you'll see a craft or, and you know, and I'm, I'm guessing on occasion that there'll be other people with you when this happens. Uh, yes. You know, really oh, yes. On, so, so how often, um, how often would you say it would happen? Uh, it, it, it's, 
it's almost on a daily basis, almost on a daily basis. Any, and basically the way I do it is that uh, I, I look for the clear nights and so forth and the, the restful nights and nice temperatures. And I simply go outside and uh, uh, by myself and I'll call to my brothers and sisters. And if they're of mine, they will come. And they'll either, uh, you know, show me that they're out there and they'll give me the flash bulb technique, as I call it. And they'll, uh, from dark space, literally flash like a camera flash uh, and uh, and or dance around that type of thing. Or uh, there's a modified flash bulb, in which case they will flare up extremely bright, show you that for a little bit, and then very slowly turn it back down to normal, where you still see the craft as a point of light, but it's moving. And uh, it's kind of like a, like a light on a dimmer switch, if you will. Uh, they do that quite often, and then they'll dance around and, and do right angle turns and, and so forth. And, and, and the whole time that they're doing this, I can talk to them. Uh, I communicate with them. I may use uh, lasers to do so. And I will only, and I really mean this, I will only do that at times uh, we're near an airport here, the Cleveland Hopkins Airport, at times when the airport is quiet. Between 2 and 4 a.m. in the morning, the airport is typically very quiet. There are hardly any aircraft at all in the air, uh, and that is the only time I will do it. If there is an aircraft anywhere in sight in the sky, I will not use a laser. Uh, they, are, they are dangerous, and they need to be respected like firearms. So if I see somebody doing something like that, I kind of kick their tail because that's a no-no. Um, but these are good tools. Uh, the protocol is that you can flash around the craft, never at it. That's the rude. It won't hurt the craft, obviously, but it's rude. Uh, and just flash around the craft or flash a few pulses. And when they flash back, uh, that's when the uh, other people that are near you really get excited. Uh, you know, they'll flash me and then I'll flash them a couple times. They'll flash two or three times back. At that point, the people who are witnessing this, if they've never seen it before, that's when their life changes. They finally, at that point, realize, whoa, there's something going on here. There's, there's an intelligence behind this. They, they, and that's when everything changes for them. And, and literally, life is no longer that mundane thing that they thought it was because it becomes all of a sudden there's a universe out there and it's filled with life. And, uh, you know, so, uh, this goes on daily. It goes on daily for me. Um, and it, you know, it's not unusual. They do respond to me. I hear them telepathically. Uh, they communicate. I hear voices in my head and I also get physical, uh, flashes and reactions uh, from the craft. And sometimes they come quite close. Uh, you know, we've had, and sometimes we get pictures, but most of the time I don't even bother trying to take pictures. These, uh, interactions are for me. And uh, for what I do and for my benefit, I, I say, uh, they're for the benefit of all humanity, but I, I'm not like, oh, I have to write a report and, and turn this into MUFON or, or I've got to tell everybody because I'm the king and I'm, I'm special. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. This is my family and I'm interacting with them and it's something I need to keep going. But I share these experiences with others or our, our UFO club, uh, the Cleveland Ufology Project, which is the oldest operating and very highly adept uh, UFO club in the world, uh, formed in 1952. And uh, so I share those things with those people who have been here and experienced these things too, uh, so that it is... Uh, uh, beneficial for them, that it inspires them, that it helps them in their daily lives to to deal with this stuff and to accept what's going on.
only for that reason or that purpose. Uh, I have a, a wonderful uh, friend and individual who wants to write my bio so badly he can taste it, but I, I keep hemming and hudging and whatever about doing that. I'm not interested in money. I don't care anything about that. Uh, and he said, well, everybody's writing a book. That's the whole point. Everybody's writing a book. But, you know, they think, well, your life has been so interesting. People need to know this. And so I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward it, but I've, I've been hemming and hawing about it for years. Yeah, just do it, it just in case, you know, <laughs> you know get the yeah. word out there, Dale. Get, yeah, take the money. Get but the word not, out. Not just, <laughs> yeah. But not just that. It's the, uh, well, you know, yeah. like, hopefully, if you get the message out there to enough people, there'll be other people that are in the same boat. Potentially, right. you know, right. if you can, if you can uh, get through to one yeah. person, one yeah. being, one person, uh, you've got to open amazing. minds. That's that's the nature. That's, that's it that's does. The nature it of the, it does. It. Yeah, I, I've been told. I, I ask my people. I said, "Look, if you take me on board the craft, and they've done so in what I call extremely lucid dreams. You, you're dreaming, and you know that you're dreaming that you're dreaming, and you're dreaming in such vivid colors and smells and tastes and and so forth." Uh, and then you come back and you can remember it. But a lot of times they will blank my mind or others. And I, I tell them, I said, stop doing that. You know, I, I want to remember those experiences. I need to know that. They say, well, you know, we have to do that in most cases because we don't want you to get a big head. We don't want you to think you're the chosen one. You know, I said, oh, that's not going to happen with me. That's, I'm way beyond that, guys. But, you know. It does happen, and that's the reason that they do that for most people. They blank those experiences to protect them uh, because they get these big heads and they think they're God and, and so forth, and that's not what it's about. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Dale. Absolutely. It's been fascinating, interesting. Right, Dale, and, you've got to uh, come back on, mate. You know, absolutely, yeah, and uh, it's been a pleasure. you get that book sorted. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that, gentlemen, no problem. <laughs> Okay, so... Um, oh, uh, do we have uh, just about two minutes longer? Absolutely. I, I was going to relate one story to you uh, that I wanted to share with uh, listeners uh, of a yeah. contact uh, that uh, that we had recently. This occurred uh, actually uh, last year. Uh, August 19th is uh, the, my wife and I, our anniversary. Mm -hmm. And my wife, uh, I have to set this up for you because she's uh, Chinese and mm -hmm. one wonderful, beautiful person inside now. But she's very, very Zen. Uh, she's the kind of individual that if uh, my people were to land in the backyard, knock on the door, she'd open it up and she's, oh, just a minute, I'll go get Dale. You know, nothing mm -hmm. would, would affect her <laughs> in the least. Mm -hmm. Okay, So... But uh, anyway, uh, uh, August 19th, uh, this was a Friday, and uh, so Saturday night, I, I, well, I told my wife, I said, let's go Sunday to dinner. Your favorite place happens to be Olive Garden. Let's go to dinner, and uh, I will go out and celebrate. All right, so Saturday night, I go out. I'm talking to my people, and I say, you know, guys, I'm, I'm really uh, happy that you stopped by, and you give me a little flashbulb different things and interactions i really need some more i said well how about bringing your ships a little bit closer let's uh, let's talk let's communicate here you know I, I need a family reunion kind of thing okay so i go out and i do my business and that saturday night and they give me a few flashes and i go in on sunday coming we're getting ready to go to dinner it's 5 45 exactly in the afternoon and, uh, you know, so the sky is blue. There's a couple of cottony clouds floating about here and there. There is a particular corridor between houses where I sit and look, which shows me about one-fifth, if not one-quarter, of the sky where 
I get my contacts where they come and, and show themselves. Anyway, I always know when the craft are here. I can feel it. I, I get a, a sense that I know, and I can't explain it exactly, but I just know when they're around. Mm-hmm. So my wife goes down two steps to the drive for the, where the car is, and I'm coming out behind her. I'm closing the door behind me. I'm standing on the top step, and all of a sudden I stopped dead with closing the door behind me, and I said to my wife, they're here. And she looked at me with a puzzled look. What do you mean? I said, they're here. And she said, who's here? And I said, they're here. And she said, oh, so we're looking around. There's nothing. And all of a sudden, I'm looking straight up, well, at about a 70-degree angle, uh, due east. uh, And all of a sudden, one of the light ships pops right out of the blue. Boom. And then another. And then another. Five ships in a row pop out of the blue, right between the houses, right above our heads. And they dance all around and the whole thing, and they're doing right angle turns, and they're stopping and moving and forward and backward and zipping from point to point and all this stuff. And I'm talking to them, talking to them telepathically. I'm talking to them out loud, and uh, tears are running down my face. I'm all excited. And my the only thing my wife says is, my God, look at that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's the extent of her excitement. And then, and then, uh, when I would speak with them, uh, they would answer me. They would either all flash, or certain ones would flash the usual extremely bright flash bulb, even though they were bright to start with. And they were all beautiful spheres, xenon white in color. And so they did this for three minutes and forty seconds by my watch. They lined up in a line like peas in a pod, moved toward the north, and then one after another, boom, 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 and they disappeared into the blue, and they were gone. So uh, by this time, of course, I'm floating literally six inches off the ground. I never once touched a seat during dinner. I was so excited. But this is the kind of thing that they'll do, and, uh, you know, an imperfect response. Uh, And uh, so I I just thought I would share that with readers. But that is because I ask, and they respond. So they respond out of love uh, and gratitude and persistence, okay? They, they, they reward patience, and they usually come at specific times. They keep schedules. If people want to see them, they can. I recommend that's how they do it. They simply open their hearts. They're, I'm not afraid. I'm ready to move forward. Please come. Please talk to me. Please show yourselves, and they eventually will come. Mm. So, well, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. All right. Very exciting <laughs> stuff. But that, yeah. that's, that's what you call an advanced race. Mm. That is an advanced race. And hopefully I, uh, <laughs> I get the right ones. <laughs> oh, make, what sure you, make sure you ask yeah. for the right yeah. one. Be mm. careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Make sure you <laughs> ask for the right one. Yeah. I wanted to tell you um, about the UFO that I saw and just get your take on it. I don't just see if, uh, I mean, it, it might have no relevance whatsoever, but I'll just give you my take on it and then, um, you know, we'll go from there if you like. Uh-huh. But but it happened in about 1998, I think. I was about maybe, I was in, you know, probably 13, 14, something like that. That's about the age I was, I'm sure. And I was I was with two uh, other people. I was with my brother and a friend. Uh, and we was, well, long story short, basically we was digging a hole under a fence uh, for a game that we used to play when we were kids. Uh, uh-huh. You're probably familiar with the game Tiggy. Or you know, uh, tag as you call it in the states. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, tag, yeah, yeah. And we used to play a, a variation of that game, but it broke, broke down into basically you'd be in two teams. Uh, so, so one to be 
the uh, you know cops and wanna be the robbers type thing, you know, oh, cowboys, yeah, cowboys. yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> so wanna be catching the other one. So he was trying to make an escape route under this fence, and this is at about eight o'clock at night. It's dark, and he's digging this fence under this fence that no the other team wouldn't know essentially. So me and Gary get digging, and my brother was. Um, decided he, he didn't want to take part in the digging aspect of it. So he, he, he said, I'm, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to lay back on this tree. So he leant back on this tree branch. And uh, we were digging. It was probably 10, 15 minutes had gone by. And my brother says, um, hey, look at this star. He says, um, it's, it really looks quite big. So we turn around to look into the sky. And, and this star, and the, the best way for me to describe it, and I don't know if you're familiar with our coins, but... The, the, the moon was in the sky, and that was about the size of a, a two-pence piece at arm's length, okay? Okay. Okay. And then this star was uh, you know, relatively close to it uh, in the sky, and it was probably the size arm's length of a, of a penny piece, you know? So, you know, not two dissimilar sizes, really. Um, and again, that's massive for a star, because you're looking at, you know, normally you're looking at, like, what, pinpricks or a few millimetres type thing. Uh-huh. And um, we both looked at it and said, yeah, that you know, that is big. So then we carried on doing what we was doing, digging away. Didn't think any more of it. And then maybe another ten minutes gone past. And my brother says, um, he's still watching it, and he, he says, uh, that star's moving. And, and me and Gary turned around and had a look at it, and... The way, the only best way to describe it is if you wasn't looking at it, you wouldn't know it was moving. It was moving that slowly. You had, exactly. to, keep your, you had to keep your eye on it, okay? And then, but we, we you know, we, he was saying, honestly, it's moving, just watch it. So we watched it, and we were saying, it's not moving, it's moving. Anyway, we watched it, and it really was, it was moving real slowly, but it was moving towards the moon. Um, I don't, no, I don't mean that literally, I mean just in the sky. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, yeah, so we was all looking at it, and um, we, we said, you know, that is, that is moving, and, and the the we just like that click of the fingers it was a craft so it went from this light to a craft in in what not even a second uh-huh. and the we were stood under this craft and uh, like I always say it's probably about 150 200 feet above us um and it was probably I don't know if you if you're familiar with the uh, Chinook helicopter the yes, two yeah well it was probably I mean I've been under that uh, probably about the same distance above me um, when we was doing some training. And um, I would say it was a little bit longer than one of them. And I think they they run about 100 feet or 100, uh, yeah, 100 feet long. Yeah. So, it's, so it's probably going to be getting on for about 150 feet long uh, and probably, you know, um, it was circular. So it's uh, probably about 50 feet wide, something like that. Uh-huh. So, it's, so it's a decent lump in the sky above us. There was no noise. Um, the only thing, you know... The, that I think, uh, looking back on it now, I feel like there was some sort of static, um, but it was giving off a, a, a light, which was just a U really, more than, it didn't have lights on it per se, it was just a U, it was like, um, well, it was changing colours, like oil on water, and the shape of the craft was two overlapping circles in a figure of eight formation. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was one object rather than two discs, but it was um, the figure of eight formation. And we looked at it, and it was there for a few seconds, and then that, and I always tell this, but there was a guy walking across the park, walking his dogs. And um, we, someone shouting out to this fellow, he says, hey, hey, mister, what's that? And he looked up. As soon as he saw it, he took off running. Um, which, oh my. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it. obviously at that point we started running and, and there was, honestly, there was no jeopardy, no fear, um, nothing. There was no emotion really. It was just, uh, you know, curiosity, I suppose. That was about it. That was, but because he run, we run. 
And um, we run home, and I remember, and for whatever reason, we didn't speak about it the next day. We didn't speak about it that night. We didn't speak about it next day. And we're probably talking about maybe eight, eight, ten years later before um, I brought it up in conversation with my brother. Uh-huh. Um, and that was only because I seen someone on telly, which was vaguely similar. Um, and I, I made him watch it and said, do you, do you recognize this? And he says, yeah, he says, that looks like that object we saw. And uh-huh. he didn't really want to talk about it after that. That was about as much as I got out of him. Um, the only thing he, the only thing he said to me really, which made me realize that it really did happen and he was there. Uh, sorry, he remembered it clear as I did is that he said that it was the, the one on TV was, um, smooth, whereas the one that we saw, and obviously we was underneath it, but the one that we saw looked like uh, old film reels, you know, with the inset inlaid circles. Okay, um, understood, it, yeah. Yeah, that's what the circles look like, and he mentioned uh-huh. that to me, without me, me saying anything, he said, oh yeah, but the bottom was different, it looked like a, you know, a film reel, so I knew at that point he had definitely remembered what we'd seen, but like uh, say, I see. a few years later, but but the, the thing that's always made me think that was an alien craft, and um is because that it seemed that it knew we was looking at it. If you um if you get that, you know, like it yeah. it, it, it it showed it felt like it showed itself to us because okay. you know, it knew we was looking at it and I don't know how oh, yeah. anything, oh, yeah. anything you know, anything in our technology would know that. Do you know what I mean? So yes. that's the sort of impression that it gave on me. Is that would you say that was alien or and, well, I, I can relate, though, to, you, to what you're saying, because there have been many times, even when I am in the house and I'm looking out my uh, back window in the kitchen, looking out into the uh, area where I like to look up some of it, and uh, I've had some experiences where they were outside, and I could see them, and I knew that they knew I was looking at them. Mm. Okay, and there's, a, there's an absolute knowing. You, you yeah, don't... Yeah. You can't explain it to anyone unless they really experience it. You can try, mm-hmm. but it is this inner knowing, this feeling, they know that I know that they know, that kind of thing, you know, and yeah, it goes yeah, back yeah, and yeah. forth. That's, exactly, that's definitely what happened because, they, they, I mean, the odds on that craft appearing where it appeared, you know, without relation to us is is millions to one because there's nothing there. It's just, sure. um, it, I mean, it used to be a graveyard and I know that's significant in a yeah. lot of UFO uh-huh. reports, but uh-huh. it used to be a graveyard, but it's not anymore. It's been turned to a, uh, you know, a playing field or a, a recreation. I understand. Uh, you know, um, so it's just got a few trees on it and it's just basically a patch of grass. And so that, that craft to appear there, I mean, like you say, it could be coincidence. It could just have been going to appear there anyway. Chances are they they knew that you were there and and they decided that you were able to handle it or there was a need for uh, communication of sort. Uh, And there are many, many different levels to that. Uh, What I find very unusual is that in a lot of contact cases uh, where there are brothers or siblings or just good friends, it's very strange that one person may want to talk about it, but the other one does not. And they will suppress this thing for years and years until finally some event happens to unlock that. And they finally, uh, okay, I'm ready to talk to you about it and then recount the, uh, the experience. But I find that to be, um, happen quite often, mm-hmm. especially in, in cases in our club where we'll have people come and talk to us and say, geez, you know, 20 years ago we had this experience. My brother and I were out and so forth and so on. And, you know, but it's amazing how long they will suppress speaking to one another about what they both know in their hearts happen. 
Yeah, I honestly yeah. feel like it was um, <clears throat> it was blank from my memory until I until I watched that program, uh-huh. uh, which you know sort of brought it back to me because so as soon as I saw this woman, basically what had happened in this story that I was watching on telly was a woman who was driving towards these traffic lights and it was on red, and um, it was, this was nighttime and just above the traffic lights she could see this uh, li- you know basically looked like a star but it was big. And uh, as she pulled up to the traffic lights, which were on red, Ooh. this star became a craft. Uh, uh-huh. so exactly the same as what happened in my case. Apart from she said this craft looked more like a dumbbell shape. Um, so, you know, two balls and then a, like a, some sort of corridor in between, if you like. I see. And, okay. and again, again, we was underneath this craft, so it could have very well looked like that from a from, from a side angle. I'm, you know, I can't possibly say. But obviously watching this, and, I, and as soon as I watched that, I thought, I was just like, oh shit, that's what we saw. Yeah. And, and I sure, sure. I, yeah, I rung my brother up, said, right, you got to come to my house now and watch this. And he come, I didn't tell him what it was about. I just sat him down, watched it, and he watched it. I didn't say a word. He just watched it and he said, that's, uh, yeah, that looks like what we saw, doesn't it? Ooh. That's what he said. And right. honestly, we had not right. talked about it for maybe 10 years. So that's how don't it came you find out. It, uh, don't you find it amazing that, um, they, that you can have these experiences and that for some reason, uh, they have possibly even implanted a trigger mm. in you to remember this at mm. a later date when they feel you're going to be more ready or more acceptant to, yeah. to what possibly happened. Yep. They know when you're ready and when you're not going to be so terribly afraid. So they plant these triggers and again, seeing what you saw or it could be a smell, it could be a person, it could be a TV show, it can be a song on the radio, but whatever it is, this trigger pops and before you know it, you're reliving this experience. Mm. And uh, they do that on purpose uh, because yeah. they they know when you're going to be ready. Uh, if they, uh, but like I said, the, the benevolent beings will mm. never ever do anything to harm you. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know about you fellas, but uh, to me, any race that travels uh, billions or trillions of miles or can move faster than the speed of light as these people do, uh, I can't imagine them going all of that distance just to probe Dale Harder's rear end. Mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and anybody that does that is not my friend. No, <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, don't anyway. kind of, I don't even have that kind of relationship with my proctologist for crying out loud. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's a violation, yeah. a big one. And uh, So do you think um, on that then, do you think that the, it's not just the air we're talking about here, but this is happening on, you know, hundreds of other planets as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Earth absolutely. is not the only planet that has ever undergone uh, uh, control. The reptilians have controlled many, many worlds throughout mm. uh, history. Uh, Earth just happens to be one of the ones that is now coming out of that, uh, that, that control. It's time, you know, after all that suppression, after all those years, after 350,000 years of uh, humankind being manipulated and coming and going. And obviously mm. you fellows are aware that uh, there has been humankind on this planet a whole lot longer than four or five thousand years millions of years millions of years and we've been uh there's been races that have come and gone here there's megalithic structures ancient aliens uh, uh, we was up at stonehenge weren't we uh, uh, just uh, last weekend and um, yeah and i think a mile from there there was a 13 foot skeleton dug up so Uh uh-huh you know, now they've is, discovered even more for that. A huge, huge site that they found at the 
the the center of Stonehenge is just the beginning. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some fascinating stuff going on there. Stonehenge has always attracted me. Uh, crop circles and so forth, you know, uh, people go, oh, there's those two old farts that did all that. I said, yeah, over the yeah, last yeah. 50 years, they've <laughs> created that and they've traveled all over the world. I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah. And they, I mean, you find crop circles in the middle of ice fields. Absolutely. You know, oh, yeah. in, in the desert, in, in yeah, the yeah, ice fields, yeah. in, in, in any manner of material where they can be, be made. They have been found, and they become more and more and more complex. And everybody is, uh, is trying to find uh, uh, an explanation for this and an explanation for that, except the obvious one. And I will share with you, fellas, just very quickly, a very close friend of mine, lady, shared something with me the other day. She's in our club. Uh, and, uh, this, this lady is beyond none. I mean, her knowledge of UFOs and things is, is amazing. Uh, and, uh, she said to me the other day, uh, as a prosecutor, she says, you know, Dale, she says, in a court of law, every single day, we put people behind bars or pronounce them innocent based on the theory of beyond a reasonable doubt. She said, when you look at the amount of people and information and UFO sightings and residual uh, uh, traces and and so forth of this phenomenon over the last 50 years, she says, I don't understand it. She says, it's way, way beyond a reasonable doubt. We'd all be in jail by now. She says, so what the hell is going on? (laughs) I said to her, I said, geez, that's an awesome statement. I said, do you mind if I use that when I'm on my radio or TV shows? No, go right ahead. I said, but that's that's the absolute truth. It's be way beyond a reasonable doubt. So what yeah. is the issue? Absolutely, Why can yeah. we not get to the, the heart of this matter and accept it? I Our think it's. Uh, I think it. Sorry, I think it comes down to a selfishness in a lot of people where. We we're almost um, especially because of the religion aspect as well. It's well, got that, it's got that's a massive put into it anyway. Uh, yeah, yes, that's got uh, a yeah, massive yeah. hold on people as well. But we almost get this innate um, sort of um, we are the chosen ones. We are special, that kind of thing. And I think when this sort of thing's happening and going on, and would prove to be just another one of many. Uh-huh. Um, I think that acceptance. I think people find that very I, I difficult. Think, uh, very difficult. To, yeah, I uh, think the accept. awakening's going to happen more when people start to get off their ass and look out the window mm. and see what really is happening. Well, I would say garden. that uh, yeah, we we are definitely in to. soft disclosure right now. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 we're, yeah, we're yeah, definitely in soft. That way, yeah, I think yeah, and being, we are being drip fed stuff more and more and more. Uh, you know, my experience of working for NASA for 12 years and uh, uh, working on uh, the space shuttle, working on rockets, working on propulsion to whole nine yards, uh, being privy to things that I have seen, being in the UFO field most of my life, working with almost every UF, ufologist and or current person in the field. Uh, you know, I, I have seen and heard and done and this and that and everything else. And uh, it, it, I don't need any proof. Hmm. Fellas, I, I don't need any proof. I know what's there. I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, know. And, yeah. and my only goal is to try and help others to understand that and not be afraid of it. Mm. But it, it's really going to pop this world wide open. And, and you said a little while ago that, well, you know, about giving us big heads or that we might think we're special. The case of the fact is we are special. Mm. We are the chosen ones at this point in time. This is the place to be. That's why so many souls, so many entities are incarnated here on this level right now. 
this is the place where the greatest experience in the shortest amount of what we call time is available. Mm. And so, you know, that's that's the way it's happening. That's the way it's going down. Mm. Yeah, just before we go, where do you stand on the uh, Zacharias Hitchin um, start stuff? You know, the, um, yeah, Everybody on. asks me about that one. You know, I, I I have a great respect for Zacharias Hitchin and, and his work. Mm. Uh, but I, I somewhat disagree. I do believe that perhaps a race called the Anunnaki did exist. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe they had wings, of course. I think that's more no, of a no, fiction yeah, yeah. station. That, yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, and, uh, all of this, this stuff with Planet X and Nibiru is just driving me insane. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, I, I believe that the information that a person can put out is only as good as the source you have to work with. Now, if I were the cabal or I were the reptilians who were been here so long and are so good at this game that they have been playing, I probably would have made sure that the material that Zachariah was given could have been tainted or even changed and planted in such a way that he would be a very good source for disinformation. So I believe that some of the stuff that he deciphered and was given was not necessarily the truth. And I think that he was used and duped because there's so many people now who are fighting over this poor man's offerings and life and, and given work when nobody else would step up to the plate. He did. Uh, and I commend him for that, but I think that there's a great possibility that a, a, a good portion of what he was given to translate or otherwise was somewhat tainted, if not uh, untrue at all altogether. So uh, I uh, I would like to keep an open mind in that regard. Yeah, yeah. no, I have to go along with that. Well, um, well, that, I mean, like I say, it's been a pleasure to it's speak been a, to you. Been fantastic, Dale. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, it's, it's been, been a, a great pleasure to talk to you, fellas. I could talk to you all day long. Yeah, uh, I could anytime talk to you, you wish to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to communicate, but yeah, by all means, get a hold of me, and we can chit chat more. And absolutely, uh, yeah. any of uh, your listeners have questions or otherwise that I can answer, I'd be happy to do so if I can. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, and on our Memorial Day here, so we'll keep up the good work, and uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you. All right, Al. thank you Pleasure. so much, fellas. Have a great day and weekend. Yeah, Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye bye, Dale. Okay, so that was the interview with Dale. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope, hopefully, a few of the skeptics have maybe changed their mind or softened it a little bit anyway. Um, Dale's going to be coming on in a future show. I've asked him to come on, and he's going to tell us how to get in communication with aliens, hopefully. That'll be communicating with the ships and, hopefully, communicating with them themselves. He's going to show us how to do that. Uh, So, really looking forward to that. should be really exciting, and hopefully, something you can all get involved in. Now, we need your feedback on this show. Let us know if you liked it. But we also need questions for Dale because obviously, like I say, he's coming on on a future show and we're going to need questions for him. So if you've got any questions, big, small, whatever, for Dale, just send them to us, dbtopodcast at gmail.com via the website or via the links in the description to the Paranormal Hangout Facebook group. Uh, You can let us know in there. Incidentally, on the website, you can sign up for Patreon while you're there. Okay, and that starts at $2 a month and you can cancel any time. So, you know. Uh, and you get an extra show and some other shit. So, you know, what's, what's not to like? Right, so that's that. So see you next week, and thank you for listening.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.